Thank you for joining us for Be Our Geek, where everyone is a geek about something and where we cover your pop culture landscape through our geek lens. Of course, I'm Miss Shannon, as usual, joined by my good friend and co-host Jayton Satia from the Twin Cities Film Fest. Hello. And we are back broadcasting from the Twin Cities Film Fest studios. We did go on a bit of a walkabout last episode, Jayton, and I just want to remind all of our Be Our Geek friends out there that we were a part of your no sleep till Brooklyn 48 hour no sleep. What did you call it? Eyes wide open. Eyes wide open. Um, and it was a... Uh, a membership drive? It was a membership drive and awareness for independent films and independent artists. It was the same weekend that our uh, lineup was released on our website. So it was all encompassing. And me being me, I said, what's the best way for a nonprofit executive director to get the word out but not spend any money? <laughs> so I decided to <laughs> deprive myself of sleep, not for 24 hours, not for 36 hours, but for 48 hours. Which kind of makes sense because we are kind of accustomed to in the, the, the film world of those 48-hour film festivals of a lot of different varieties. Correct. And the people don't know that majority of, let's just say there's a night scene or a, a you know dusk scene, I would say 99% of all the films actually <laughs> use natural light for that because right. you can't, not everybody can afford uh, big giant studios and big giant buildings that we can to simulate. To recreate dusk. To, <laughs> to recreate dusk. So a lot of our independent filmmakers and artists um, stay awake. You know, they get to work at 7 p.m. and they don't leave until, you know, 12 in the morning the next day or 12, uh, you know, ne noon the next day. So... We're accustomed to it, so this was, yeah, sure, you know what? It was an homage to my filmmakers. And I'll, so I'll basically, and I like the fact that people could then, because you were also kind of like streaming films, so if people were willing to get a membership and donate to your drive, then you would let them pick uh, a one of the films that you would stream. I had some interesting picks that came in. People who became members of our organization said, um, hey, uh, you know, obviously glad to become a member, glad to support the organization, but if you have a chance, because I had a, it was at the Reveal Rooftop Bar at the AC Marriott here at the West End, and I was outside the entire 48 hours, but I did have a very nice cabana that was allocated to me. Yes. And the cabana had a TV, so right. I was able to stream Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime, so I got plenty of recommendations on those streaming platform, and the, the caveat was it can't be a studio film that is now on Netflix. Right. It can't be... Um, a film that I've already watched before. So again, you don't know, but you can recommend. And I can say I've already seen that one. So it'll be a new discovery for me. And I actually expanded it halfway through the the, the forty eight hour stunt to say, if you guys want to give me uh, show ideas, so I'll watch the first episode of the whatever series this is. So, so did you find it. some really good binges that you weren't? Aware I of did before. actually put a couple on my list, but there was a couple of them, and I'm not going to mention what films they were, or because then the person will be outed who <laughs> gave me the film that I could only get through by 20 minutes of it. Oh, because it was bad. Because it was just not my taste. Oh, okay. So I don't ever say it, it's bad because okay. it's good for somebody else. Fair so enough. So that's for me as a as a default, and I agree with this. Like just because I love it doesn't mean you should, as you know. But I want you to recommend that to me, and they did, and. It just wasn't my taste, and then I had plenty of other options to pick from, and I just went to my next one. So, Did you manage to stay awake the entire time? I did, the okay. entire 48 hours. Um, what so I think there was a couple of bets, and, we, and, and this is the problem, is that I'm very good at creating notes in order to do the show that we are working on and terrible about writing notes during the show to go back to bets that we had made. 
And so I think that that means that I then won the bet because our guest geek at the time, Raisa Matala, basically said you were going to make make it to like 24 hours and then pass out. No, I think she specifically mentioned, um, like, I, she thought I could make 30. Okay. And then I would just, like, pass out for, like, two or three hours <laughs> and... Uh, which then Reese is my my board president. So she um, was hoping that you would like nap. She, again, sh- for the sanity of what's coming, which is a festival in the next couple of weeks. And because know, we both know your wife and don't want you to die. Correct. Right. <laughs> that whole thing about not dying. Um, and being dying loose, is inconvenient being when you have a family. Um, but no, I did end up <laughs> making it the entire forty-eight hours. It wasn't. Would I do it again? Nope. You um, say that, but now I feel like if we up to the challenge next year, you would do it again. I well, know you that well. I already have a few people saying that was actually great. Like <laughs> you got some great social media out of it. You got like you know some great mentions, and we should do this again. And I'm like, we as in you, not <laughs> me. Like I somebody else needs to step up. Here's what I think. I think we should go for 72 hours next time. I think you have to like go all in, Jay. <sighs> <laughs> Who's our guest today? Yeah. All right. We do, of course, have a guest geek that's going to be in. And, Jay, you're going to be very excited about this one because I am bringing to you this week a very true renaissance geek. And And by that, I mean that not only have I seen him at every con here in the Twin Cities, um, he is also a local author. He is also the lead singer of a country music band. And he is the live host of two of the coolest geek-related trivia fantastic nights here in the Twin Cities. So basically, don't have me do the 48 anymore. (laughs) Have him, because he barely has time as (laughs) is in his regular schedule to sleep. I was really excited. So his name is Taylor Sisko, and I was surprised that he had time to come and do our show. So it was very kind of him to come and be on the show. So we're going to talk to him about some projects that he has going on. I did bring up one of his songs, that I wanted you to be able to hear it. Um, And he actually writes for uh, one of our favorite online publications, The Town Twin Cities Geek. And we know we're, we're friends with, like, Hal and some other people that are over there and they do really cool work here and if people aren't familiar with it, they can go to TwinCitiesGeek.com and he put out a really interesting article last month called How to Avoid Problematic Shows and Enjoy TV and Movies This Fall. You know how important that is <laughs> right exactly. now? Exactly. That's, that's brilliant. That's yeah. great. And so I thought that that would be a great thing for him to come and talk about and one of the movies that I don't think is going to make either his list or y- your list is something that we did talk about though recently with one of our other guest geeks. We did talk about the movie Venom that is out in theaters and now. You know what I've done since then is I've actually have the Eminem song ah, on I my on my playlist. Oh, I've see? listened to it in a while. I I didn't bring that again this week. I'll have to like ma- let me I'll find that for us and we can yeah. play that in the next segment. Um but I did um get a chance to go out and see Venom. Okay. So I and did I have see that. Yet. Yeah, so I did see it. And I also know that we need to come up with a scale, a be our geek one to five ish scale, and maybe we can ask our guest geek if he has something. Five being, five being the, the best, okay, yeah, the best, and okay. one being no one needs to waste their money on so this. So it's not like the DefCon system, which is one is the worst. No, and okay, so cool. I, I think that that would be too counterintuitive and ask people to think too hard about <laughs> our. But we need to come up with like, do we give them five somethings? And so Fair you enough. and okay. I have to kind of like brainstorm okay. that. We can workshop it because I think I went with a, our, our friend Ryan Wood. 
And uh, he is much more familiar with the comics yes. than I am. I know of them. I know of the Spider-Man universe. I know of Venom, but I was not that. That was not the primary reading material as Miss Shannon was a young geek girl. Um, so I gave it more stars slash um, uh, revelry than our friend Ryan. Okay. He gave it one out of five, whatever we decide to pick. He gave it two. <gasps> Whoa. I gave it one out of five, whatever we decide to pick. I gave it four. Okay. And so we had a very spirited that discussion a, about it afterwards. Yeah. That's a fairly big discrepancy. Yeah, definitely. You definitely. Know? And again, are we doing like the point fives, like two and a half? Or I thought about or? that. I almost, I, I rounded up because I was firmly I think, in that I maybe three just, and a half. You should something. just commit. You should just commit, like half up or half down. That's why I rounded up, is that I was going, you know what? If I truly enjoyed it, I laughed out loud at certain parts. It's surprisingly, I had gone into this film thinking that it was, they presented it as so much darker than it actually is. Okay. Like, they really presented it as if it was going to be this Venom character, and it was more like Predator Dark. It absolutely is not at all. And I have not seen it yet. So and it's, it's Tom cartoony. Hardy. Tom Hardy, it's cartoony violence. So it's Got not it. even really gory, which it kind of made it. The trailer, okay. in my mind, I was thinking, this Venom's he's crushing heads and doing all the stuff. And it's like, nope, not really any blood, none of that kind of stuff. They use a lot of the S word. They use the, their, that's as yeah. much swearing as they do. And since they're... With the rating system, I feel like they used every opportunity to use the S word. <laughs> like every chance, they were like, "Look how edgy we are!" But that's the edge. <laughs> so they use that broad spectrum. Everything is what the so and you this and this is bulls and it like everything is that. In the long run, do you think that'll hurt the film? No, no, okay. I think it's fine. You know, because they didn't go, they they're not going at that whole Deadpool crowd, so they didn't go that right, far. Right, 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 right. But it you know they wanted to make it adult, but I you know and and. To paraphrase what our friend Ryan thought about it, the movie is very basic. Okay. It's not trying to change the genre. It's a, di- a very predictable origin story is what sure. it is. And okay. I think he had created an expectation that it was going to be more than that. Correct. And since I didn't come in that expectation, that's probably part of the reason why I liked it more. Is that I'm going, whatever, it laughed and like cool, Venom's neat. And I, you know, when we were talking about this before, you know that I'm not really an anti hero person. I'm right. all in on hero. Yep. And they did the way they did this, he's kinda not even an anti hero. He's just a hero. Like everybody else is so bad that you don't even really think that he's bad. He's, I didn't know I needed best. a symbiote, he's, but yeah. I know I know that my life would be so much better. I would have a better time getting my son to school. If I would you have had a, a symbiote? T- if I had a symbiote. That's what's missing in my life, is a symbiote. Can we get an individual human being to become your symbiote? You mean like a, a, a personal assistant? Yeah. That wouldn't be enough. <laughs> because a personal assistant couldn't cover me up, and then if somebody like tried to rob us, couldn't yeah. chomp their head off. Yeah. Get, get a ninja as <laughs> nope. your personal symbiote. Wait till you see it, and you'll go, I don't, okay. wanna, I don't, want, I don't want a ninja. I'm looking forward to seeing I don't that want that a bodyguard. One. I want a symbiote. You know, that's, right. I, I was missing that. That and a motorcycle. Those are the two things that I walked away well, from this movie. Maybe you can get a moped. <laughs> no, but I don't you want can get one of those. those bird scooters that are No, around. I need to go all in <laughs> on motorcycles. So I will, still, I will stick with my four out of whatever we eventually decide I'll, I will, something should get. I will come in with a rating once I see the film. Okay. Um, and I'm most likely going to see the film. I tend to, we're about two weeks out from the festival, I tend to do a... Um, 
a movie afternoon where I just decompress before the festival starts and typically go to a film that I think I would at least enjoy, if not take my mind off of things. And this not, will not do that. Not have me like, think too much. This is escapism. So There's some parts that you're like, that's typical comic book movie dumb. Okay. Where you're like, really? Okay, okay. fine, cool. So you would say this one as opposed to A Star is Born. Oh, gosh, A Star is Born is something that is worthy. Got it. But is emotional, emotional... You know, it, it, there's things that you'll come away feeling all the feels. If you yeah, want something want that, yeah, yeah, if you don't want the feels right now, go see Venom. You won't come away with any feels. You'll okay. laugh at some of the real things, and you'll go, you know what? I'm going to fire all my staff and just hire symbiotes. That's what you'll do. The one thing that I do on a regular basis, and you, if you come to the festival, you will see this. I will have a walkie-talkie on me because I want to make sure all the staff and everybody, that if they need me, I'm available. Next thing you will see is... Um, wireless headphones around my neck because um, when I'm walking around the festival, I have my jams on my phone and I'm listening to music as I'm walking around because that focuses me. Right. So I love recommendations, obviously, for films because that's what I love and, you know, live and breathe. But I love good music um, recommendations as well, things that I could just jam to. So I'm actually looking forward to the sample that you brought from uh, Mr. Trey. Yes, Trey, Trey Aaron slash Taylor Cisco slash T Aaron Cisco, depending on which one daddy, of his projects whatever. he wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to talk to him, listen to his music, and talk about the book awesome. that he recently released. All when we return, I'd be our geek. Welcome back to Be Our Geek. I'm Ms. Shannon. Jane Satia is still here. We're still at the Twin Cities Film Fest studios. And now it is time for us to have a nice little conversation with this episode's guest geek. You may have heard him uh, 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 on, your, on your MP3 player. You may have seen him locally talking to you about Doctor Who or Star Trek trivia. Uh, you may have seen him most recently at any of the com, co, uh, the cons here in the Twin Cities. And uh, he's my good friend, Taylor Sisko. Hello, Taylor. Hi. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, you know what? One of the, my favorite parts about doing this show is I feel like I even get to know my friends because... Yeah, you Even, discover them a little right, bit deeper, yeah. Because it's totally a little different because I may talk to you because I've seen, because Taylor, we've been on panels oh together yeah. at cons, you know, and you are much more accomplished at all of the, the paneling than I am. Like, didn't you just come from FallCon here in town? I did, I did. I swung by early this morning out there in St. Paul. It was, uh, yeah, it's, it's FallCon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is FallCon. And I know that you're actually busy later today because today here in the Twin Cities is the Star Trek Bar Crawl, correct? Yes, yes seventh year in a row. Ah, wow. so t tell everybody a little bit about that yeah. real quick. Uh, so I'm actually just adjacent or uh, cursorily related to right. the Star Trek Bar Crawl. But uh, you kind of mentioned the Star Trek trivia, and the Star Trek Bar Crawl is sort of responsible for Star Trek trivia coming into being. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, my wife and I, huge Trekkies. That's yes. sort of why we got married. Not the only reason. But <laughs> <laughs> it definitely didn't hurt. And we went down to Chicago for the Star Trek convention uh, about five years ago. And we, you know, it was a con. We had a good time. Then we had con withdrawals afterwards. We're sort of like the last day of camp. You don't want to go. Yeah. Right. And we're just like hungry for anything Star Trek. And we heard about this Star Trek pub crawl, which at that time was only in their second year. Right. And we went and it was incredible. It was like, you know, over 100 Trekkies in full uniform taking over Northeast Minneapolis. Because they don't warn <laughs> the bars. I've been to it. I was you don't. Say, you like just show up. That's the best part. Yeah. So. 
all of the Trekkies know that we're going, but nobody else does. And so they coordinate it all online, and they kind of tell you where to start. And you just show up and bombard Northeast Minneapolis. That is great. It's like an organized flash mob that moves. I love it. Yeah, and so you can, if you're going to run a little late, you can kind of like keep track of it online and like pop in different places. And then sometimes you get to one place and it's too busy, so you just got to go, I'm going to go to another bar. And so there's just always a bunch of people going, what, how? So is it expected now by the by the bar owners or the managers that something is going to happen? Are there regular bars versus like newer ones that... That you start off yeah, at? Yeah, the, ol- the older bars that have been part of it for the past few years, they, they kind of expect it. Okay. Although this year they're going over a loop because it's usually in August. Uh, oh. And they move it to October So they year. think it's not happening. <laughs> right. And it's just going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> and they're going to be like, oh, oh, my God, we're so understaffed right now. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's great because every bar is a Star Trek bar when 100-plus Trekkies show up. Right. I mean, the first mm-hmm. year we went, one of the best stories, uh, and I'll, I'll clean the language up, but we were at Mace Lacks. Yes. Oh, sure. East. Yep. And we start pouring in Mace Lacks, you know, has the two rooms. They have, like, the bar area, and then there's the stage area where they have bands playing. There's a band setting up, and the drummer was getting his kit ready, and the bassist was kind of tuning his instrument. And he just kind of, they both stopped and, like, started staring as all these, like, you know, Star Trek characters started walking in. Right. And the bassist. So it's one, <laughs> and then five, <laughs> right. and then 25. And just nonstop <laughs> stream for, like, a good two minutes. Of just, and we filled the room, and the bassist just looked at the drummer's like, where the... Did you put up flyers? And there's always some people that are super on board and like jump in and like want to take pictures with all of us. And then there's other people that are like, who invited these people and are just annoyed, like so annoyed. <laughs> Would you if you were just a normal uh, consumer at that bar, any, any of these bars who get flash mobbed by these truckies? Would the diversity in what you see, like, the, does that make sense? I'm very interested in who shows up: older generation, younger generation, people from professional, you know, like people you would expect to see in suits, just the way they look. Like, does that make sense? Like, the inner trucky comes out. Is <laughs> how, how is the how is the diversity in the people who show up? Because I'm a trucky, right? And people wouldn't know until I told them. Like, I I just love. I, that's what we binge on. Right. Um, to talk a little bit about the diversity of the crowd that comes out. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the, the Trek crawlers, uh, the diversity of the participants matches the diversity of the audience. I mean, got it. It's got, uh, well, every age starting at 21 because you have to be of legal age. But 21 to, I mean, there's people that are definitely, you know, some silver foxes running around. Awesome. Nice. All the awesome. series, all the movies. So you'll find Kirks hanging out with the cars. You'll find Vulcans and, and Klingons. Uh, you got new uniforms, even the, the newer movies. That yeah, I was going to say the new Chris Pine stuff like all and all that. And then somebody will show up with something and, like, even somebody that you have to, like, deep dive in your brain. Like, <laughs> what one episode did you just jump on board? Because there's always one. And they're really good, but you still don't know who they are. Yes. And then I'll go to somebody like Taylor who's got, you know, it's also TC. Uh, is TC Trek? Yes, How is TC, TC Trek? Trek trip, yeah. 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 And so <laughs> I'll go to him and I'm like, you need, you know who that is. And he'll go, that's a Silurian from the so-and-so. I, I just made that up. That's a doctor who won. I'm like, I'm cross-pollinating. Um, but he'll say that's because I won't know. And then I don't want to tell them because those people also are like super offended that you don't know who their third. Th- I mean, it's like, come on now. You pick the third most popular they're in two episodes, and then right. now they're mad at me because I didn't know who they well, were. Some of them. There, there is some geeky thing just because <laughs> yes. the, the Trek community is just like the geek community. But, I mean, for the most part, uh, it is a lot of fun. Another, really, not as funny as the drummer and bassist, but just last year, I mm-hmm. went as Benny Russell, which was Cisco's yes. character yep. in that great episode where, you know, it's the 50s sci-fi yes. kind of mixing together. So 
to, to an outsider, I'm just wearing a, a suit jacket, glasses, have a cane. <laughs> but then it's like, whatever, maybe he hurt himself or something like that. So I look completely normal, and I get to Dusty's, which was one of the bars last year, and the bouncer's checking my ID, and I'm it's like, oh, thanks, yep. get ready. It's like, hey, hold on just a second. It's like, oh, what's up? He's like, just so you know, there's a bunch of those Star Trek people in there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, man, you have no idea how many Star Trek people I am. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Don't you love that? Because you do, you also, Taylor, do a better job of, Weaving in, because I honestly, I'll be, I'll be honest with Jade. Like I have like totally fallen off my whole cosplay. And you know I like costumes, but when we're at the local cons recently, like I didn't even try, because there's so many people that are so much better at it than I am that I just kind of just go, I tap out. You know, I just tap out. But like you, did, you came up with some good stuff this year at Convergence as well, though. Oh yeah, I try. Well, Convergence is different, especially with it being over the July Fourth weekend. I dress more for the heat. <laughs> I learned sure. my lesson the You're hard way. Yes. Right. Years ago, the first time where I went as a, a, a Wookiee, uh, I went as a Klingon, but nice. I went as a, an ancient Klingon, Kalas. Yes. yes, yes, So yes, I'm yes. covered in foam oh rubber and leather and suede, and I got jeans on underneath it so I can like use the bathroom without too much trouble. And then I was fine in my car because I have air conditioning, and I was actually fine when I first got to the hotel. But after the first or second panel, I was like, oh, it's getting a little warm. Because right. there's thousands of people yes. at Convergence. Yes. Middle of the summer. There's not a lot of shade. Even if you get outside, there's still thousands of people <laughs> everywhere, all the body heat. I was like, okay, this is that, that's this is the not last doing year. This. You just <laughs> lost five pounds. <laughs> 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 exactly. So I try to keep it sure. weather appropriate. Yeah. Well, well, I was uh, very fortunate <laughs> this year at Convergence to be uh, moderating a panel that Taylor, uh, Taylor was part of. Okay. And so it was an Afrofuturism panel. And Got so it. we had some great panelists that were on it. And that kind of leads us to the – because this year, uh, one of the things I thought was great about Convergence, and they kind of had bits and pieces of this, this before, but I do feel like this year we definitely had some local panels that talked about some subjects that are near and dear to my heart and, and Taylor's heart and Jayton, I think you'll agree. Because we not only had the Afrofuturism panel, but we also had one called uh, It Was Different Back Then, where we would talk about the subject matters of certain things that we may be fans of, but are highly problematic. And how do you draw that line as a fan and go, can I still enjoy this? Do I make an excuse for it? Do I expect us to do better? And how do you kind of like justify that um, as we go along? Well, I think there's a lot of that. So uh, like George Orwell in 1984, there's that, that thing he calls about double think, where you right. can actually hold two opposing. And it's usually using a negative connotation. But I think with fandoms, uh, there's a little bit of double think that goes on, but not necessarily from a negative viewpoint. It's more like we appreciate the, the bigger picture. I mean, if you watch even like Star Wars, right. was, uh, 1977, there were, except for James Earl Jones, right. not as big a Star no, Wars fan, yep. but I'm pretty sure that was a pretty monochromatic cast Correct. back then. But it was still kind of groundbreaking in the genre. You can still appreciate it, even for lack of diversity. And even Princess Leia or Carrie Fisher's character is one of the only like female characters right. that actually has a character. Right. So it's very, very uh, unrepresentative. But you can still appreciate all the things it did. It's still a solid story, even though it has some of those elements. And some of the more troublesome things, like a lot of the 80s movies, uh, both genre and non-genre, there's some stuff in those where you're like, oh, my God. Like, even for that time, how they get away with it. Exactly. Um, I actually joke about this all the time with friends. Like, there's the, the bullying that we actually experience versus what was portrayed on screen uh, is so hugely different. Yes. Like, so my nickname, again, I can't really repeat it, but my nickname uh, for a big part of my childhood uh, leading up to early high school was a derogatory epithet for homosexuals. Got right. Um, and that was just, like, casual. They would throw yep. it out in, like, yeah. PG movies. Or, like, mm -hmm. you know, you'd watch, like, It was right. released for television yep. back in 1990. And 
you can still appreciate like okay it is definitely different it's one of stephen king's like seminal works it's kind of child focused with this child point of view and then does a generational thing but like the language they're using so casually like with the hate speech and things like that you just kind of like compartmentalize it right like we don't excuse it we definitely recognize for what it is are you seeing that nowadays with the new content that is coming up that at least it's it's better and then obviously you know let's just say 20 years from now or 30 years from now our future selves will look back and say you know they dismissed these things or they said this a lot and now it's not appropriate anymore so again are we making a progress as a society at least um to move in that right direction from that diversity side and from the yeah short answer yes i do think we're moving forward there's progress being made but i think that the kind of like with social issues the same problems like we don't really have a lot of uh at least luckily so far there's not a lot of (laughs) clansmen running through south minneapolis burning crosses but the racism just sort of like has also progressed into a different manifestation and i think the same thing is true in artistic representations where we definitely have a lot more black and brown people uh women and people outside the gender binary coming to prominence in in genre television shows books movies well you um, get hamilton right, right on theater yeah. and but then we, s- we still have other small things we're getting to uh, i call the tyler perry effect yes where, uh, sort of tokenization without actual representation where producers will just shove characters in right. like look here's your black guy and they right. won't develop them or like oh look this woman is like a strong female character but really she's just the same trope that we've seen a thousand times and you know, i'm not going to badmouth any specific nope. film fair enough but there are definitely some pictures that come out where like this is actually kind of a not the strongest movie but right they put a bunch of minorities in it so it's going to get a lot of accolades and so i think that that's something that you know hopefully 10 20 years out we'll look back and say oh well th- they were on the right path just not quite there yet it was a good starting point yeah. you know it's like <laughs> it, it shows that we are at least attempting to do some of these things but when we do it incorrectly taylor do you think that sometimes that actually sets us back or is it any progress is a uh, is a start. What do you think? Well, uh, there's definitely something to be said for getting the foot in the door, right. no matter how. I mean, looking back at things like you know the old minstrel shows, which became almost entirely populated by black performers towards the end of their popularity, uh, it was so it was this or you don't eat, right? You know, and so you do what you have to do, and it's really easy for us. I, w- I won't use privilege, but it's definitely it's advantageous that we have a unique situation where we have hindsight, where we can sit here now which is much better than it was 70, 80 years ago, and saying, oh, well, I can't believe that Step and Fetch It were doing that Correct. to themselves. Right. Like that's because the other options were like manual labor or you know, maybe getting lynched or something like Right. That. So they were taking the opportunity, and because of the work they did, it opened that door a little bit wider for others to come through. Um, I think that's just... It's Are it's you seeing more openness in the, in the, uh, from, from the conversation that we're having now, specifically from the quote-unquote geek side and the content that is being put out whether it's comic books or Star Trek or animation or anything that you know where people associated with, oh, that's geek. Do you think there's more openness from that? From that, because Star Trek has always been one of those. It's yes, of course, it's space and future, but it's much more. Tha- it's always been much more than that. Well, I think the lasting power is, is really what comes through. Like uh, people outside the status quo, like non-white people, non-white cishet males have been creating content since there was content to be created, but it's really been about those stories. And I think with things like Star Trek, Doctor Who, uh, Red Dwarf, some of the other longer running geek-centric properties, what they've done right is that they have the stories first, and then they kind of come back to it, almost like what Shonda Rhimes is doing in television, or has been doing Correct. in television. Which right, is like I'm that's why she's sure been successful. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna have quality content, and then the fact that it has these diverse casts that are actually more representative of the real world, that's kind of the bonus. It's not really the focus, 
or it's not the primary focus, but it's just that it's it's that icing on the cake that stories makes it first. Right. right. Well, I remember being part of a panel last year where we were talking about uh, what it was, uh, what it was like when you're looking at future fiction and um, how it would look. And I remember one of the people on the panel, and I remember he and I got into it quite a lot. But it was uh, basically his present his what he was postulating was well. The prevailing culture would continue to be the prevailing culture if something happened in a dystopian society. So this is why it's okay that it's monochromatic, which I found highly problematic, this discussion. Um, because it's basically going, well, in something that we are fantasizing, I can't fantasize that it's not That's not fantasy. Same. <laughs> right. You can't, that's not fantasy. And you can't be completely open. There's no boundaries. That's, that's where discovery happens and that's where new ideas happen that's where societal progress happens but if we're talking about who is creating these works of fiction um how do we then go all right we can't have it only be for us by us how do we make it more accessible for other people i think now more than ever it, it's so easy because there are so many channels i mean it used to be not that long ago if you wanted to put out an album publish a book release a film launch a television show you had to have so many connections and and so many resources whereas now i mean you can actually do a lot of that with your phone and uh just just creating the content's the first step and then once it's created and that's usually the biggest hurdle that from talking to other like aspiring creators and things like that it's like you know just getting it out there because once it's out there the masses will pick it up especially if you focus on again quality content uh even if you do do something that's more exploitative and that it doesn't have that quality behind it once it's out there it'll be picked up by somebody right because the eye we have an unprecedented uh ability to make things accessible well speaking of books out there we are now on your third book is that correct uh yeah, actually, yeah, this is my third finished book. My fourth one, uh, just three weeks ago. Well, now. congratulations. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, so we are, so the, the third one that is available now, so you can get it, he, uh, he was kind enough to bring us in. I love the smell of books. He brought <laughs> us in uh, a hard copy of it because I was going to have to pull this down on my Kindle. And I'm I take I'm a picture of it and post it. I'm kind of disappointed that I turned it to a Kindle person, <laughs> but it was out of necessity. Um, uh, but uh, so The Preternaturalist by T. Aaron Sisko, as I said, you have to keep track of all of Taylor's uh, suit because uh, you, I feel like you do a good job of compartmentalizing each of oh your yeah, worlds. Gotta keep the bubble separate. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, if people would like to pick up your books, then they need to go and look up T. Aaron Cisco, and they can also find this on Amazon. Yes, on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Oh, wonderful! Yeah. So, tell us about this book. So the pre so the preternaturalists and really all of my books uh, they all start because I have an idea and I go looking for it and I don't find it. Okay. And so I'm of the you're like I wish there was a right. okay. And I'm of that the, uh, idea that like you know if you want something don't necessarily wait for someone else to get to make it for you or to bring it to you. Like if I'm hungry at home I can tell my wife and she'll say that's great you know where the kitchen is. <laughs> <laughs> Fair <laughs> so enough. Just applying that same philosophy. So the preternaturalist is an idea of okay we have so many sci-fi just speculative fiction just fiction in general where the main purpose is we have to save the world right and then i was thinking because i was also watching the news it's like maybe the world doesn't deserve to be saved and like i would love to see not in a cynical way but just someone who has the power to like you know save the world and just kind of like ah i don't think so like have you <laughs> met the world the world's a bit of the worst <laughs> <Not> <laughs> And especially just because of, like, recently what's going on, like, in politics here right. in the U.S. especially, it's kind of like, well, if we have so many things like racism, homophobia, transphobia, sexism, theocracy, is this the world that you really want to, like, continue on? Right. Or maybe we should start over. 
burn it down, restart it again. <laughs> yeah. <Exactly>. Control <laughs> alt delete. <laughs> Control <laughs> alt delete. Turn it off. Have turn you turned it off and on again? <laughs> <laughs> Kick it a couple times, see if it comes out better the next time. And the other big piece too, because uh, I work primarily within the realm of what we consider Afrofuturism or black sci-fi, but I also, growing up, I had a lot of friends that were Latinx. I mean, mm-hmm. my best mm-hmm. friend, he was the best man at a wedding, we're basically brothers, you know, he's second generation Mexican, and like, we'll get into conversations, like, man, it's finally great to get like, Black Panther, and like, they got them both on the big screen, he's got the show on, on, on YouTube, and like, now they're gonna have Ta-Nehisi Coates is doing a series, Roxanne Gay is writing for the series, he's like, yeah, there's no Mexicans yeah, okay. in sci-fi. And I was like, what are you talking about? There's tons of, I was like, oh my God, there are no Mexicans in sci-fi. So, very consciously, literally, the primary protagonist, the protagonist, is a Mexican woman named Tatiana, and she is imbued with all these abilities, and she works for a, a clandestine organization called The Cooperative that was brought together to try and solve these issues, and then they realize that they're losing, and so they just give her everything at once, and her job is to sort of find an alternative plane to kind of nudge it back into existence. Interesting. <laughs> Very. <laughs> so I'm excited. Wow. So when how do you come up with concepts or concept conceptuals to actually start a book oh man uh, all over the place mm-hmm. so my previous book right before paranaturalist from last year was dragon variation and so that title is because i'm a huge chess nerd because i'm just a huge nerd so chess <laughs> comes <laughs> with the package uh that one was my daughter my oldest daughter and i were running errands just getting groceries sure. and she was uh five years old six years old at the time just don't they have the best ideas it was <laughs> so great it ever was like nowhere i yeah. was like she was asking when we're gonna go home i was like well we still have to run to this place we have to pick this up and she's like, okay. And then out of nowhere, apropos to nothing, she's like, hey, if you beat a wizard, do you become a wizard? And it's <laughs> like, that's You're a like, great <laughs> question. That's a really good question because every th- wizards are power, are energy. And if you absorb energy, oh, I mean, my she, goodness, my mind is blown. She had some, there was some rationality. She's like, yeah, you know, you tell me like, if I eat too many sweets, then I'm going to like get unhealthy. So like <laughs> if I eat too many wizards, do I you get are magic? You are what you eat, yes. Like, well, I don't, I don't know. And that just kind of sat with me for a little bit. And I was like, well, what if there was, and it became an allegory for race and class. Okay. Where the main character of Dragon Variation is a woman named Sky who has certain gifts because we're kind of post-apocalyptic and people have these mutations, but not mutations because that's copyright of Fox. Yep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they have these abilities. And if you consume their flesh, then you gain those abilities for a short amount of time. And so I just kind of stretched that out just blow it way out take that all the way way past like would you kind of follow that that train of thought yeah so these people now work for the government to help the military gain these abilities so they're kind of like because it regenerates like if you eat got it you know thigh meat or a piece of arm then that part grows back on that gifted person gotcha but the person who ate it is now temporarily imbued with like you know superhuman strength and abilities got and it. so they have volunteered for the government to kind of like yeah we want to be down with the cause but then it turns out the government's really just exploiting them they're not there is no cause. It's this sort of never-ending cycle, which is, you know, apples to apples comparison for pretty much any group that wasn't on the Mayflower. Ah. Uh, it's kind of like, yeah, you guys come over here. In some cases, like, we're taking you Just over here. Just because <laughs> your daughter said, right. do you exactly. become a wizard nice. if you eat a wizard? Yeah. And your first book was Teleportality. Yes. Oh, my God. That was, yeah. <laughs> what is that? What's that face? So th- that was the labor of love. That was yes. one. It, like I never sought out to be an author right. or to write anything, but I had a concept many back in 2003 when I was aspiring. I was working in television, aspiring to be a filmmaker, and I had an idea of I wanted to see a female character that wasn't a trope. Right. Because I love Ripley from Aliens. I was a really big fan of the Resident Evil series for PlayStation. Yep. So I like str- and my favorite comic book character and comic series of all time is Wonder Woman. So strong female sure. characters. It was like a n- no brainer. I had to do it. Uh, so I had a character called Billy Badass. Can I say that? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, 
and she was basically a hit woman who like just did her job like it was the way that hollywood currently writes you know assassins or like badass yep. characters that was basically how i wrote billy and i started chasing that wrote a couple proof of concepts i had a nice spec script going i got a few meetings actually some interest but every meeting i took all the notes were basically chipping away at it like well can she have a love interest right uh, oh, can sure. we you know make her sexy in this part can she do this and that and it's like that's not at all what the character is right and i kept pushing on it and i kept adapting it and made it more of a sci-fi so okay now she's not just a hit woman she actually was killed years ago brought back through science and all these techniques that are called neurogenesis right and so this is perfect now they can't try and push love <laughs> she's a, basically a, she's a zombie with powers like, right come on. and same thing i actually got to the point where i had a meeting with a they're like zombies need love too yeah pretty big come video. on cisco i was <laughs> describing the opening scene of the spectrum like all right we're open it's nighttime it's a future landscape there are giant buildings and robots everywhere and then i know boom there's this cool blue streak of this super fast woman on a motorcycle being chased by a giant tank and they're shooting at her it's crazy and they're like oh we love it we love it we're with you hey what if there's like a love scene here <laughs> Love scene where? <laughs> Why do you have time for that? I was like, so she's on a motorcycle being shot at, and you wanted to pull over and just bang somebody? They're like, well, we just want to keep the audience, you know, engaged. engaged. That's <laughs> not engaging enough. It's like, if you have some sexy woman, it's like, I didn't say she was sexy. It's just a woman. They're like, well, you know, she'll be sexy. And like, all these things. Oh, and my God. Yeah. And this is where you want to, like, <laughs> bang your head against the wall right. to be like, are we on the same planet here? Like, right. what are we talking about? Like, had I been smart, maybe I would have, like, taken the offer and made all the changes and tried to get the green light and then try to parlay that into something later on. But I was you know, full, very young and full of, like, ah, like, no, it's my I way, the highway. I have artistic integrity. And good for you. <laughs> well, now <laughs> you're no, good on for you. Because that would have, I'm sorry, if that, that would have happened, that would have gotten butchered um, in the big screen. That, I mean, the same things. Why would you, anyways, Yeah, we can go down that. But it just sat on the shelf for a little bit, and then I, I wanted to come back to it, and I actually had another crazy idea where it's like, okay, so you have things like Memory Alpha, which is a Star Trek wiki. You've got the Potterverse. You've got all these different wikis that are made after the fandom. What if I make a wiki first and bring that as, like, my show Bible? Oh, oh interesting. Okay. It really helped with the writing because with the wiki, if I got bored writing narrative or reached a block of character development, I could go just write paragraphs about, like, one aspect of the technology right, right. or yes. I could talk about these side stories. And so it really helped keep the character alive for many years. And so finally I was like, well, you know what? She's been with me for the majority of my adult life. I need to just get it out so I can move on, have some closure. And so I just <laughs> took some of the better stories from the wiki, threw them together, and this is what became Teleportality. And now we're coming <laughs> up on your fourth book that you said yes. is coming out next month? <laughs> yes. And what's that about? So that's Shadow of the Valley. Okay. And, and same basic start or start of my process. Um, I grew up, my family's from the South. I grew up in the church. Uh, a predominantly black church, and I love horror movies. And now every horror movie that deals with possession always does so from the Catholic dogma. Correct. But for some reason, and this is for decades, I've yet to find a movie that dealt with possession, or religious possession, like demonic possession, that was not from the Catholic dogma. But within the faith that I was raised in, there are definitely stories of possession and demons and all kinds oh of Oh, yeah. So it's like, I'm going to write a story that is about, instead of like this cute white girl in the suburbs who gets possessed by a demon and there's conflicting priest. This is six guys that are, you know, stand-ins for my my own knucklehead buddies and I growing <laughs> up you know, south side Chicago, like six black dudes that now have to go fight against an evil church, but it's all from the sort of Baptist apostolic doctrine. Mm. Oh, that Baptocostal. That'll come <laughs> get yeah. you. Yeah, I grew up yeah. Baptocostal. <laughs> 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 That's a battle. I can see right. it. Because my grandma was a like 
old black woman. She had a lot of old black Southern sayings, and she'd sometimes say, oh, that's just nothing but the devil. Right, the devil right. Uh-huh. Like, well, and it's very superstitious. Was. Like, my grandmother was very <laughs> superstitious I grew up in Mississippi, same thing. <laughs> yeah, and it really is like there's things now that I, as what I consider a semi-rational adult, I still have a lot of those things stuck in my head where I go, no, it doesn't matter that somebody brushed your br- your foot right. with a broom and you just oh you spilt this salt you know all these things that I grew up going this will happen like this is the silliest one that I have is that um, I remember my grandmother because I grew up in that 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 Baptist <laughs> I remember my grandmother it's almost I call her my voodoo grandma it wasn't fat flat out grew but very very particular about what you do with your hair and how you discard it. And there were a lot of rituals to what it was and how you clean the hairbrush and the combs and where that it goes. So now, as an adult, I still have to talk myself out of all of those things because I'm, you know, and this is years, in like, the, like, this is stuff, this is 40 years later. I'm still going, I don't have to burn all of the hair out of my hairbrush. <laughs> it's okay if so, like, oh, and you can't flush it because then you'll end up with migraines. And you can't do this. There's a lot of can'ts, a lot of can'ts. So I think that this is right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm very excited to see this, Taylor. I'm very excited. Have you ever made um, any of your um, the wikis or, or even the conceptuals into um, visual art, like actual short films? Or uh, I did make one short film, and so it's kind of weird because I do do s- I have so many interests, and I try mm-hmm. to follow them as much as possible. I have one weird short film where, again, same concept. I was like, I want to see a story because a lot of things are doing like the old Truffaut method where yep. you can start at the end and go backwards or there's some other things from French New Wave. Uh, Tarantino made them big in the 90s with like, you know, out of sequence, non-chronological. I was like, well, what if you just had two stories of two characters that are going to meet where you start one at the beginning and one at the ending and they meet in the middle and that's the climax. Yeah. So I do have a short film um, out there. It's called Minneapolis South, which speaking of representation, became an accidental, uh, we call it exploitation. Okay. Because I just reached out to my one buddy who's an actor, uh, and he's Mexican-American, great guy, uh, Oscar <laughs> Xavier Del Sebastian, really fun, always down for whatever, whenever I have any crazy ideas. He's like, yeah, let's do it. He's one of those guys. Uh, and he, I was like, well, we need, we need characters. He's like, well, your script's good. I was like, but yeah, I need people to be those characters. Right. <laughs> and he had just come, because this is the type of person that Oscar is, he went to the open call for extras uh, for Gran Torino when that sure. was shooting at St. Yeah. Paul. Now, Oscar is not Hmong at all. He doesn't look Hmong, but he was like, oh, for shooting? Yeah, I'll just show up, see what happens, because again, He's that right. kind of free spirit. Right. He ended up just, he didn't get picked for very, very <laughs> obvious reasons. Uh, but he just ended up hanging around. Just yeah, like all these set. actors, yeah. <laughs> and he met all these great actors who all just happened to be Hmong American. And so he started calling them up, and they're all like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. And so, yeah, <laughs> Minneapolis, it's also, it's on Amazon. He became a producer all of a sudden. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's great. And, and, I mean, speaking of producer, I mean, you are currently the executive producer of a show called Dinner Time. Yes. Which we can also get on Amazon. Yes. Okay. And so tell us about that one. Yes, Dinner Time is actually, that's my, like, my legit actual project <laughs> on uh, Amazon Prime Video. Uh, it is a hybrid cooking and history program uh, where the host is Dr. Lisa Rudy. She's uh, actually a, a profe- history professor, uh, PhD, but she's also a great cook. The only reason she's not a chef is because she never had culinary training, but she's okay. phenomenal. Uh, we were having a conversation, and she was just talking about some cool ideas when she was finishing her doctoral thesis on the First Ladies and all these cool stories that surrounded food. Like, you know, after the Cuban Missile Crisis, JFK went on TV. He's like, hey, everybody, the end of the world might be tomorrow, but stay tuned. And then, like, you know, he right. went off to a state dinner, like, that same night. And she's like, yeah, they made duck a la range, and, like, <laughs> his mistress was there, but so was Jackie. So was this f- and she's telling all these wow. stories. I was like, this would be an awesome television show. Right. Like, I would watch this and then especially if you saw how to make it. She was cooking stuff, the same meals or whatever. Right. Right. And so that's the the premise of the show is that we discuss uh, some kind of pivotal event, occurrence, or person in history and then the uh, tie a food to it. 
So the first That's episode, cool. we did just that one, the Cuban Missile Crisis, where we showed clips of Kennedy's speech, and then we went up to Duluth to talk, because there was a near scare during that time period where the klaxon went off by accident. Okay. Right. And we almost wired Wisconsin to like send fighter jets out, because there was it was all an accident. It turned out a black bear like breached the perimeter, <laughs> but it was like near miss, and then... Uh, Lisa goes in the kitchen and she's like, "All right, let's learn how to make like duck a orange with wild <laughs> rice pilaf." It's the same when they had the state dinner back in 1963. Uh, second episode was about Pullman porters, and so we tie that more to a contemporary bent about how the Pullman porters don't get a lot of love, but right. like coming out of the war, that was really the only or one of the few jobs that African American men could do right. and actually make a decent living. I mean, they had to be away from their families because right. they're riding the rails, but they were like a, a major contributor to building not just Twin Cities but also like the rest of the country. Right. And the hardest part now with the new episodes is coming up with something that hasn't been done or something interesting. So the question wasn't, what did Pullman Porter serve? Because you can go to a National Library of Congress website and you can see dozens of old-timey train menus and what all the wealthy people were eating. But, like, what did the porters eat? Right. Like, they're on the rails for, like, you know, three to six months at a time. They're eating something. And the closest we could find was that they were allowed to make Pullman loaf sandwiches. Okay. So the Pullman loaf was actually this kind of revolutionary way of making bread loaves. They were perfectly rectangular. So instead of stacking two, which are kind of rounded, traditional loaves, you had these square loaves. So you could get almost like four or five into little tight compartments on the trains. And they would make these sandwiches. And they would make some really interesting combinations. Because you only were allowed to eat when you had time, which was, you know, here and there. You didn't get like an hour break to go knock off for lunch. So we had a marmalade (laughs) and butter sandwich on Pullman loaf. Oh, yeah. It was interesting. But no, I'm not (laughs) even surprised about that. That's not something my grandma would eat. And I think it's so many things where you hear about, you know, things that were that that we used to eat because they were cost effective or time effective for the people at the time. And now I think it's interesting that a lot of these things are now becoming uh, so like they're the 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 new fancy things that we have now when it used to be well you had to be efficient and use the right. whole animal right. and now we're like well no now this is high now it's 500 dollars <laughs> right. this tiny little when before one. i'm like uh that was because we had to eat all of the animal you know and so now it's like oh no 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 now now now, it, now it's called you know now this is the highbrow part what's of the it. show called again it's called dinner time dinner time so the idea i think it's funny and everyone who works with me on the show hates the name but it's like because it's dinner because it's food and then time that's terrible would you ever do a, a a feature episode where it's a so obviously you're talking about history and what had happened so if you think about Again, as your African futurist, think about something that would be served if this happened. Oh, that would be really cool. I'm not sure if that would fit the particular show, but I would definitely be open. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things like as you kind of see culture progressing, as you see things happening, you can even, again, no idea. I'm just, I'm just, I'll be fascinated (laughs) to see what what the... What do you think would happen? Well, I'd be fascinated to see what kind of meal could be made out of something that was coming out of your imagination of what could happen in the future but not a, not a dystopian society but like this could really happen in the next 10 years what would they eat like what like you know what would the what would they have for a meal what would that state dinner look like if this thing happened whether positive or negative like we are just going we're going to do a man mission to mars well what would that dinner look like Oh yeah, no, I, I love that. Like one of the big problems we're having now, as far as uh, consumption on a global scale, is with meat that we're actually running out. And like one of the most overlooked sources of protein that we have in abundance is actually insect-based. Right. 
So I could definitely see an episode where it's kind of like, okay, like we know that because climate change is real. Sorry to offend any of your listeners. That You're <laughs> not. <laughs> and it's interesting because we did have a food scientist on uh, a, a few episodes ago where yeah, we were talking change. about, you know, yeah. Yeah, you know, what are the options out there for insect protein and how do we work on those things? And she had some options as well on other ways that protein could be continued. Um, and, and it was interesting to, to talk to her about where people are calling this like, Frankenstein's, you know, Frankenstein science, but it's like, well, no, here's what we could do, and it wouldn't be better if we could have a, an animal that was raised this or a protein that was grown Absolutely. this way. Well, especially because a lot of the aversion to insect-based proteins is very Western. Right. Like Correct. It's not that out of the ordinary in many other countries. No, it's like normal food. Yeah. yeah there's, and there's so many animals that we've just chosen to be unfit for consumption kind of arbitrarily. Like, I remember there was a big scandal a few years back uh, on the news with, like, horse meat being used and stuff like that. It's like, well, well, well why? Right. right. I mean, I've never had it, but, I mean, if it tastes good, let's go. R- right. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so I, I didn't want to, like, throw you off with, like, something cute, but I'd be just fascinated to see what, what no, that's you a, know. That's a because you have to have a history to kind of think about what would the progression look like into the future, right? We're not going to come up with random things. Like, we're going to use the things that we have around us. Right. And a new take at it. Like, I wouldn't eat a cardboard. But I don't know. Would I like it's around <laughs> us? Does it have? Uh, I don't. Not, I don't want to eat cardboard. Only paper is. That totally looking at Shannon. Right. Shannon's gonna be like, "That's your next. <laughs> your next challenge is you could challenge. just well, we'll make sandwiches out of paper. I think that's very easy and accessible, and possibly a good way of recycling. Um, like that thing. That might like, be a good way to do it. Um, I just pulled up your website for um, uh, your your band, by the way, <laughs> and uh, I want to say that is a pretty badass cover you got there. Thank you. That was a uh, TreyAaron.com. Yep, TreyAaron. That was the uh, that was a photographer's idea. I'm I'm much more camera shy. I mean, the reason why we're the you don't look camera shy <laughs> at all. No, this photo like is in dope. The face. You look like a very muscular Hootie and the Blowfish. Is what it is. <laughs> it's very. I was like, look, if he like really just got ripped, if like, right. <laughs> like <laughs> then that looks like you know, and and that's Trey Aaron. So if you want to go, it's T R E. A A R O N. So we could do that, and so let's play that, and then we want to. We still want to talk about some of your your picks for the fall TV and movie thing. So I, the one that I picked, and I, I probably should have asked, you know, Trey, since we knew he was going to be here, I should have asked him, but I didn't. I picked one that I liked, so I picked uh, Beholden. Oh, okay. okay. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you picked that. So here we have some of this. Pick this genre. Why is this important to you? Well, I came up with this My mother is from Louisville, Kentucky, and I still have a lot of family in the South, New Orleans, and all around. And 
uh, screw up with country music. Uh, and really the biggest thing, too, is that country music is really all music. Mm-hmm. I mean, blues and country, are, are they're not even cousins. They're, they're close siblings. They're right. almost joint twins. Uh, and I think the only reason why it's split is because of music business executives deciding to make things genre. I mean, Ray Charles was a country musician. Charlie Pride was probably a huge right. black country musician. I do get that question quite a bit, sometimes at shows, sometimes during shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, about being a black guy playing country, and it's kind of like, well, yeah, country music is black music. Right. All music is black music. I'm black and making it, so that makes it black music. <laughs> right. Um, and also, I think country is one of the last art forms, too, that uh, there's definitely a pop segment, and that gets kind of big, but there's still uh, where the musicianship and songwriting is still kind of held key, and that's kind of what pushes people over. I do like the storytelling aspect of most of the, the even the pop country songs Absolutely. that are still out there. And, and, I, and I do agree with you. There's some songs that, um, yes, they're country songs, but they might as well be, speaking of problematic people, an R. Kelly song. I'm like, you're singing the same sure. things, like kind of thing, where I'm like, you're saying the same thing, and I'm trying to, like, I, I, I mean, you can rattle off a bunch of artists. I'm like, they know, they're, you know, th- it's really just an, an R&B song that has guitars, <laughs> more guitars in it instead of an organ or something behind Absolutely. it. And there's, it's, it's still allowed to draw from things, even though it doesn't get that recognition. Like you'll, It's really easy to have a list of uh, rappers or even rock musicians that would talk about drawing on their outside influences to create something new. I know one of the big things now, it seems, at least the hip-hop I listen to, is a lot of like uh, West African and Eastern Correct. instruments right. being pulled into the mix. But with country, for some reason... They, they don't do that too often. So a lot of our country music, we do try to pull in, not that far away, but we do pull in our other influences. Like my two guitarists are both more from the rock, jazz sure. background. Uh, our drummer has a very solid like church R&B funk background. That I mean, one of the songs I'm surprised most people seem to like Shakespearean. I like Shakespearean <laughs> as well. I liked this one though. That's what is that why you made that face? Like, why'd you pick this one? Okay. <laughs> this one like mixing in like we do quote Shakespeare. A yes. Lot in in the middle of Shakespearean, it starts with an organ, and we're kind of like making fun of that sort of like Bapticostal right. thing, where we're talking about you know bringing down the spirit of Oh Hell Yeah, which <laughs> is sort of our, our, unf- <laughs> our unofficial tagline. Um, yeah, and also I should also specify the website is sort of our like our professional face, but really just a couple of knock around guys having fun. We're not trying to be rock stars. And you do have a <laughs> show though coming up. We do. Yeah, we're playing over at uh, Honey in Northeast Minneapolis. Honey is yeah, a great place. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah, it. For uh, Halloween, it's our third our third Halloween show called the Halloween Hell Yeah. Um, <laughs> and again, the website's definitely that's more the, the polished, the serious face, but like our live show, like we cover Kanye West, we cover Selena Gomez, like wow. country version. I just have a good time. I so when is that show? Uh, that's the 27th, which is the Saturday. Yep. Got it. Yeah, so we got to go check that all out. And I don't know when you found time to write this article, but I am very impressed because you, I mean, I don't know how you will have time to watch any <laughs> TV, Taylor, but you did have this great article. This guy has 48 hours in one day. <laughs> <laughs> Just he, he teleportation, whatever he wrote, he actually manifested. I mean, if you really want to know secrets, Teleportality, it's, it's, it's habits. Like a lot of people, when they talk about time management, they get really hung it's up true. on scheduling. And it's not about scheduling because you're always going to be a little early, a little late for something. It's right. about just building habits. So, like, every Sunday night, for example, I see a, a movie in theaters. Yep. And I just that's just something I do on Sundays. And I might be yep. at 5 in the evening. It might be, like, a late show at, like, 8 or 9. But on Sundays, I know, okay, Sunday night, I'm going to see a movie. I know that, like, my writing, I do that usually around my lunch breaks during the day. 
I, I try and scribble some stuff down here. So whether that's 11.30 or if it's a late day and it's like a 2 o'clock, I know that I'm going to sit down and at least have 15, 20 minutes to write something. So most successful there. people quote time management as the key to their success as opposed to having, like sleeping, like not <laughs> sleeping for whatever. It's never sleeping. It's no, never it's, it's sleeping. It's literally what you're saying. Regardless of what you put on paper, you have this dedicated amount of time that you're giving yourself every single day to do that. Right. Right. And whether it's one paragraph that comes out or th- four pages. Exactly. And then also there's that flexibility. So I think when people start saying, oh, I'm too harried, I want to do more, or get some time management skills, they focus so intently on that schedule. And then if you miss anything, like, okay, at 11 o'clock from 11 to noon, I'm do this. If you're a little bit behind, well, that throws your whole schedule off. Whereas if you're just more focused on the task, eventually it doesn't even become about the schedule. It just becomes about the activity and becomes a habit. So do you have watching particular TV shows on your schedule? Oh, yeah. Okay. And so, I mean, I I thought it was interesting because, uh, Jaden, when I was looking through his article, it was it's it's a very good. Don't watch this. Watch this. So does he have like SpongeBob SquarePants on there? Spongebob's cool. I, I, my girls are more into Peppa Pig. Yeah, right on. Oh, yeah. Peppa, yeah, they're a little young yet. My kid's all yeah. about the uh, cat in the hat. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> We're still on Thomas, you know. I keep thinking Thomas he's going to get over Thomas, and then he's back on Thomas. Because now there's new Thomas. So, And I really did appreciate some of this because I also appreciate, because back to, you know, we're talking about kids. My child runs my TV. So yep. I don't hear about grown-up programming unless one of my grown-up friends who's better at it than I am suggests things. So why don't we start with, just because we do talk about um, movies a lot, let's do a little bit of TV. Is that okay, Taylor? And so if you want to just tell us a couple of things that you would suggest on what, as we're moving into fall and people are going to be more, you know, sedentary and we're looking for good things to binge, are there any shows out there you think are worthy that we should maybe get involved in? Absolutely. I mean, one that's mentioned in the article, for example, after Roseanne Barr's big blowout and then mm-hmm. she doubled down on her silliness, uh, One Day at a Time is severely overlooked. It's on Netflix. It's a Kay. re, I guess technically, yeah, it's a remake of the old 70s or 80s. A slightly sitcom. reimagined version, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it's a, a single mother. She's a, a Puerto Rican family. Or, I'm sorry. She's a, la- a Latinx family. Sure. Mm-hmm. Puerto Rican, Colombian. Uh, she's a nurse and she's raising her two girls and it's and her mom also lives with them and it's the same kind of blue collar working class like every man quote unquote situational comedy right but without you know having a racist star right <laughs> yep. and it's and it's genuinely good like the the storylines are compelling it's better than sitcom writing needs to be got it like some of the arcs and the yep. jokes are smart. They push the envelope sometimes. Like, is this a network show? That's I like the way you said it's better <laughs> than it needs to be. Because right. you're right. Because right. a lot of these things were like, it's popcorn for my brain anyway. Right. But then if you go, they did the extra work. It's almost like they remember the, the, the kind of the golden age of sitcom. Well, golden age for me was like the, the mid 80s for yep. sitcoms. Because, I mean, I know that the, again, another problematic star, but the Cosby show, the program, not, yes. the, not the man. Yep, correct. The program was incredibly like adept at mixing serious issues without being a serious show like you didn't have the very special episodes but you still had a lesson and i thought it was more effective that way because it wasn't being shoved down your throat it was kind of like there's one of my favorites theo yes sure <laughs> he was like seventeen in the episode. Is that when he like does a monopoly money to yes. like yeah, and then like yes. the whole family like turns a house it's like an apartment and he has to deal with real issues. Yeah. And it was kind of like this way of saying like, hey, like stuff's gonna get real when you get older, so enjoy what you have. But that wasn't like hammered at you, right? right. It wasn't, like there was no soft music, and then like you know Claire sits down, it's like, okay, son, what did we learn right. today? <laughs> it's just like 
you know, he got kicked out of his room because Denise was the landlord and yep. so it was fun. And I think a lot of sitcoms now are either pulling from that or maybe because the showrunners and writers are like my age or, or sadly or younger. Right. <laughs> they grew up with that same stuff and like they're bringing that, that uh, experience and some of those influences from their childhood into it. And the competition is fierce now. It is. Really Netflix, Hulu and Amazon. They're have killing it. Forced the Netflix. Yeah. Exactly. Game up, except for one of them, which again, I'm not going to trash any, any business well like, like, you can just <laughs> you're like eventually i might want to this is an opinion show you can talk about you know again these are the things so what's this show called again one day at a time yes one yes. day at a time got it uh it's on netflix it is rita moreno's fantastic. in it now oh cool yeah, that one's fantastic okay. it's fantastic mm-hmm. and another show similar to that which doesn't really have a direct comparison it's actually not even mentioned an article that I have been obsessed with uh, the last couple months is a, uh, The Good Place. Oh, yes. Oh, I've mm-hmm. heard great things about The that Ted Danson show. Yes. Mm-hmm. The writing is incredible. The stories, uh, again, it doesn't need to be that good because it's an NBC program. So it could get away with just being a sitcom. It sure. be an NBC, like, you know, primetime comedy. Uh, but they deal with stuff in a way similar to one day at a time where you're actually investing the characters they actually develop all the characters and the representation on screen i think is unparalleled outside of maybe netflix's luke cage oh it okay. is by nice. the single most diverse cast in a in a definitely in a sitcom uh it's led by kristen bell yep mm-hmm. you know veronica yep. mars and yep. but then it has a, a slew of other characters there's Ch- uh, chahidi yep uh, t- uh, sorry tahini who is i believe sri lankan mm-hmm. but she's got a british accent she actually played by a sri lankan actress then jason uh, who is Filipino, uh, Chidi, who is in the show, he's Nigerian, but he's just like an African-American or he's just a British-American. Sure. Um, and it's all like Maya Rudolph has a, a cameo role or recurring uh, guest spot. It's one of those most diverse casts. And the best part, too, is it's not like a United Colors of Benetton ad. We're kind of like, <laughs> check it out. <laughs> right, right, right. So we got this. Guy. We got <laughs> this. Time <laughs> for this one. Like, yeah. like the characters actually make sense that they would be getting along and hang out together because of who the characters are and the fact that they just happen to be from different ethnic backgrounds or racial backgrounds. Right. It's not forced. Right. It, do, it doesn't, it doesn't it feel forced. It makes it feel much more realistic. It's called it a good place. Yes, a good place. And Ted Danson's the, the other star. Right. And he plays in... And uh, part of the reason <laughs> I bring him alien. up is that he's yeah. like 74, <laughs> 75. I'm like, looks good. He's holding up he's very holding well. Up very <laughs> like well I'm all like, whatever yeah. you're drinking, it's yep. working for you. <laughs> what about shows we should not watch? <laughs> oh, God. There's Just <laughs> one or two. <laughs> and, and give a reason why, like you know, why you don't prefer it. Ah, see, it, it hurts to say it because I love, I mean, Marvel's been so good to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. there was a spell where Marvel and Star Trek were like my only friends. But uh, Marvel's series, Iron Fist. I agree. Like, if you watched, I actually agree. You know, yeah. If you watch Luke Cage, you watch Jessica Jones, you watch Daredevil. They're, they're capable like, of oh, doing better. Fantastic. Yes. And then they're like, here's Iron Fist. Like, what? I watched what the first episode of the second season. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah. I mean, I'm good. I was hoping that they would get better after the first season, which we all were very dis- I, not all, but a lot of us were very disappointed in because it's like you could do better. The fact that they have this character that is the poster boy for white privilege and doesn't know it, right. like that would have made me find a little bit of joy. And if they even kind of like Explore poked at it yeah. a little bit, like how come you don't understand why you're this the worst? Sounds like they're trying to make a bad program, right? With Iron Fist because everything else has been so good, and the bar was so low coming out of season one, which I thought was complete. Was exactly. And it was because it wasn't just that I had I was uh, that I found it problematic from a perspective of the way they have this you know the talk about just tropes where it's like a gather uh, you know you come back in here and it's 
you know, the typical great white hope, come in, all the stuff. Uh, that part I was already finding lazy. But it also was just, in my opinion, poorly constructed. And, and for, for a, a series of Netflix shows that already are known for being slow, because most of those things should only be six episodes, <laughs> and we, all, we, we stretch all of them out, even the ones I like, it should be six to eight episodes of yes. Luke Cage. It shouldn't be 12 or 14 or whatever yeah, we why, got. Why, well, well I know they want more because then they get more views, but it really, like any other comic book arc, it should be leggy. Well, a perfect example <laughs> like of that is the show Godless on Netflix. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, it's eight episodes yeah. of brilliance. It's just brilliant. And I am so content. I would watch that again. I would stream right. that entire series again. Versus stretching it But it, it was out like done. This is, we're going to do this one season. It's a mini series. It's on Netflix. It's eight episodes. Brilliant cast. Concentrated. We're done. Mm-hmm. And like, you're, s- you're just satisfied. Absolutely. One thing, like Luke Cage especially, I was, I was hyped. Yeah, that, that first trailer yes. dropped in season one, and I was like, "Whoa, season yep. one is like four episodes too long." Like yeah, once it was. Yeah. Exactly. I guess mean, spoilers for a three-year-old program, <laughs> but like once Cottonmouth was dead, I was like, "That's the end of the season." Yes, because everything after that, I was like, "What is this?" We don't need it. Yeah, they're pushing it now. <laughs> yeah, we're like, "Can you bring back Masahala somehow?" Uh, Marshall Ali. Yeah, thank you. Kind of thing. I say his name wrong every time. He's in our opening night film this year. Oh yes, Green Book. Mm, very excited. Is that one sold out yet? The f- we actually sold out the first screening. We had to open up a second one. Congratulations on that. One of the big things, just real quick, touching back on Iron Fist, yeah. one of the big problems I had with it was one of the problems I had with Orange is the New Black when that first came out, where it's that Orange is the New Black, the first season, I was. it took me a while to get into it because I was not a fan of Taylor Kieran's portrayal of Piper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, Piper is the least interesting character. Mm-hmm. All these other characters on her are so fascinating. And it was they frustrating kept her alive. Right. It. But then they realized it, or it felt like over the past five, six seasons, oh, we're going to dive more into the background characters. Piper's still here, but right. she's just kind of, it's an ensemble cast now. And that's like Iron Fist. There's so many great potential characters they could be following that you get angry <laughs> when you're watching. You're like, I don't care about Danny. Like right. Get him out of the right. way. Mm-hmm. Like, we know enough about him now. <laughs> like, yes. we get it. We get it. Yes. It's all, yes, fine. Next. Yes. Next. So that's, that's one I'm definitely, uh, I would, uh, if Disappointed. Says, I miss yeah. it? I, I think no, I right on. Are you still watching Star Trek Discovery? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I'll be honest, I have not started that yet. And I'm looking uh-huh. forward to it. It's one of those, uh, you know, Shannon was asking before the podcast started today. She was like, what are you watching right now? I'm like, nothing. I have nothing. <laughs> like, I can't concentrate on anything except the festival. But as soon as the festival is over, I have this giant list of things that I'm going to deep dive into come November, December, January, February. Right. And I'm, that's on the top of my list is Discovery. Well, you said you were Trekkie. Or you mentioned that you were Trekkie. I am. Uh, you're going to love Discovery. Like, some Trekkies are saying they don't like it. They're lying to you. <laughs> Everyone likes Discovery. Um, because it, it so many, and understandably so, so many properties, television shows, movies, they are going for universal appeal. Right. So they, especially with uh, adapted properties, they were going to trim the fat off the edges, kind of like you mentioned with Venom. They're going to kind of, like, coddle it and reshape it so that way it has a bigger audience. Because it's going out to people who might not like the fandom. Discovery was made by Trekkies for Trekkies. Got it. And nice. it seems the attitude yes. is, like, well, if you don't know what's happening, too That's bad. your fault. It's too bad. Just come along with us. Right. But this ain't Enjoy the ride, but it's right. It right. And, it's, and it also respects the old fandom by not even addressing it, really. It's like there's hints here and there, and it's definitely tied to the universe, but the story. They don't keep it so precious <laughs> that they're not willing to right. do, to go there when they need to go there. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And again, back to diversity. The CBS problem. Just CBS. Right? Yeah. CBS, CBS All uh, Access. All Access, yeah. And back to it's diverse without making a big deal all the time of it. It just is on so many of these things. And it's part of the story and part of their characters and why you need them to be all this stuff, but they're like, 
not the champion of whatever they are. Right. Yo, absolutely. I mean, like the old, like I grew up watching reruns of TOS, Kirk and Spock, and watching them again older. Still love them because there's that nostalgic tinge. But it's like, oh my God, this is one of the most accident, like well-intentioned racist yep. programs. Because Chekhov is the Russian from Russia. Like George Takei or uh, Sulu yep. is yep. the Japanese guy from Japan right. <laughs> who knows all the old Japanese part of it. And then whenever they go a little crazy, all of a sudden he ends up sweaty and with the samurai sword. <laughs> it's a little lot. It's a little much. Like Ukura has to be from Africa. Or right. even moving into the next generation, like Jordi is also from Africa. It's like, wait, why is there still an Africa in the 24th century if we're talking about exploring the galaxy? Correct. He's just a human if we've right. got thousands of other... So looking back, but Discovery's just kind of like, nah, this is who it is. Right. Like, where they're from, that doesn't really matter because, like, watch what's about to happen where they're at right now. And you're like, whoa. And Which is great. Well, Taylor, so we, one, we need to have you back on again. But yes, in the please. meantime, I know there are so many places that they can uh, find you, but let's let you showcase where you want people to find you first. Oh, boy. Uh, so TC Trek Trivia at tctrek.com. Uh, we run, uh, it's the only uh, recurring pub trivia dedicated solely to all things Star Trek mm -hmm. and then we're also the producers of Wibbly Wobbly Wednesday which is the only recurring pub trivia dedicated to all things Doctor Who um, that's all the information is at tctrek.com they're all ages it's every second and fourth Wednesday uh, sort of Star Trek and Doctor Who respectively uh, it's a good time it's all family fun. I mean, some of the language gets a little naughty here and there. It isn't a bar, but <laughs> it's a bar and grill. So if you got kids, kids are welcome too. There's no cover. Uh, you can play by yourself or you can bring a team. Um, so that's a great place to find that out. If you like country music, yes. TreyAaron.com, T-R-E-A-A-R-O-N.com. Uh, just a couple of knocking around guys having some fun, making some country music. And last I checked, we're still the only uh, black-fronted country band gigging in the Twin Cities. Congratulations. <laughs> nice. I like it. I like it a yes. lot. You mm -hmm. want more, though. Mm -hmm. Come on. Come on, oh. other. Like, we want more, though. But we're oh happy yeah. that you are, like, leading the, <laughs> leading the charge on it. <laughs> well, the funny thing is when we play shows, especially so we do a lot of stuff for, like, uh, music in the parks. So we played, like, yes. the July 4th Spectacular down by the river. We played uh, Mayday Festival and things like that. Played Holidays <laughs> last year, which, like, nah, that's... I it's mean, a little chilly. Just in case you don't know, it gets cold outside. It does. I've been in that parade. Yeah. <laughs> Country music and <laughs> snow. Hmm. But then I like, but that would be a great thing. Like I, I know they do some stuff over next to be at Victory Memorial yes. Parkway, and they nice. did some shows over yeah. there with some friends of ours. Yeah, so. And every time we play those bigger shows where it's more than like you know friends and, and fans that we've seen a few times when it's kind of general public, people always come up and they're also they're black people uh, or people of color in general. They're like. You guys are really cool. Like, I didn't know that black people made country. Like, I love country. I've just met. Like, people have let us up on Twitter sometimes. Like, oh man, there's a black guy in Minneapolis playing country music. That's so cool. Right. That's I grew country. up in Arizona, so <laughs> I'm like, it's 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 just been part of my playlist forever. So yeah, it's definitely a uh, there's a, a want for yeah. it from the the public, and that was one. Like, I was trying to do my preparation to like know what to expect to come on the show. We go the whole whole launch thing about like the gatekeeping of like the Twin Cities. How it's like we do have a huge artistic community here. But sometimes in certain areas, it feels really hard to kind of break through sort of like Definitely. social circles. Like that yeah. sort of nice extends to like certain venues and, and certain artistic endeavors. But I'm glad we kept it positive. Yeah. <laughs> so it's TreyAaron.com. Yes, TreyAaron.com. And then all of my books are available on Barnes & Noble and or Amazon.com. You can just look for T. Aaron Cisco, and they all pop right up. <laughs> See why I had to make that face? I told you. It's uh, so many pseudonyms, but it's... So if there's a social media handle that they should go follow you on, which one would you prefer to give out? Right. And there are all of them. <laughs> He's like, too many. <laughs> uh, actually, 
just just follow my my basic Twitter. That's kind of yeah. where it, the, that's that's the hub. All encompassing. Everything, yep. Everything kind of pops in there, and that's just compositor <laughs> uh, at c o m p o s i d o r e. Well, Got we will make sure we put all of that on our social media. We are be our geek. You can also follow be our geek on Facebook and Twitter. We'll make sure all that's there, and we always post all the information as well at twincitiesfilmfest.org. And uh, tickets are actually on sale now, right? Tickets are on sale. We've already had a few sellouts, and I believe next episode that we're going to do will be during the film festival. Yes, in a couple of in a week or so. Yes. So just just chime in, and uh, we love. We're going to try to get some of the celebrities and some filmmakers and uh, we love your feedback as well so please do leave us comments and, and questions on our social media and we'll definitely follow up and we will see you next time thank you for listening to Be Our Geek from the Twin Cities Film Fest studio because everyone is a geek about something This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. And right now, you can save when you shop your faves. Just buy six or more participating sale items and save 50 cents each with your card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.